coming live from Italy is our guest this afternoon. Welcome to this very special show of the KJ Masterclass Live, the show which ensures that you profit from your time spent here with experts, either through their industry insights, information, or simply learning from them. But before I move forward, may I request you to subscribe, follow, like, and comment on whichever platform you are watching or listening to this show on. And today we have Maris Gebhardt, founder Opulent Mindfulness. Welcome to the show, Maris. Thank you, AJ. Namaste. Thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted to be here. Namaste. 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 Thank you for your time. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time indeed and coming out so early in the morning down from Italy, from Umbria, Italy. So, uh, Maris, you, you are not only a founder of this uh, big company, Opulent Mindfulness, you are also a speaker, writer, lifestyle consultant, global meditation leader. You cons uh, consult with a lot of companies and all. So, we will be talking about how to boost performance by ridding oneself of the mental blocks stress induces. But first, tell us, you, you know, tell us about your why story. How did you discover meditation and mindfulness? Right. So I think it's one of these things where we always were what we now are. And so when we discover our life's calling, we can trace back the breadcrumbs to say, ah, that was hitting me way early on as a child because I was always a seeker of greater wisdom and information. I'm always observing and asking people and talking and noticing you know, finite um, details about my surroundings and watching body language and sensing energy. And so I've always been sort of a, a thinking type, philosophical type. You can ask anyone in my family and in friends of, of past. Oh, you're always so serious, which is the nature actually of a Capricorn. We start out as very serious little beings and then we become more playful as we grow older, which is indicative of exactly that. I'm now living in Italy and kind of hopping back and forth between the US and Europe um, these days without a, you know, a mortgage and without a husband, without a children situation. So I'm really deeply steeped in my work, my life's calling and engaging with um, the environment and surroundings wherever I am calling it home because that place of home is, is in my heart. So yes, um, crises, um, calls to action um, resources. And so I was having a very high anxiety um, relationship and I needed something. <laughs> so I was crawling and crawling and climbing and clawing my way out of that and discovered meditation as my safety vessel, my sanctuary, um, a place where I could feel just even for a few brief moments in the day. And then that stretched out and stretched out into more of my day and then my life eventually. And so now that is my work. Thank you for asking. Right, 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 Maris. So you talked about anxiety. Now it's a very normal thing, but it can be a difficult thing for somebody who goes through that and you were able to tackle it and you are where you are today. But anxiety is so much prevalent in every walk of our life and especially in workplaces and within our homes also. So uh, how does one tackle that? Especially, you know, you uh, do a lot of uh, programs for corporate uh, corporates and companies and, and with business leaders. So how do you look at anxiety from, you know, from a home, uh, domestic point of view as well as from a 
uh, corporate point of view, work from point of view? Yeah, I love the way that you phrase that question. How do you tackle it? Because sometimes the way that we tackle something is by stepping back and dropping into the exact experience that it is forcing us to do. So have I tackled anxiety? Definitely not. Much like the way we engage with our stress, we acknowledge our stress, we have a relationship with the stress, creating a very healthy buffer between identifying me with the stressor helps us to have perspective and become more agile and mobile and um, relate with our stressor instead of identifying and, and enmeshing with our stressor. So I would say the same for anxiety. Have I tackled it, cured it? It's no longer? Absolutely not. I get little bouts of it in my chest. It starts burning and it's agitated and it's disturbed. And so it's just a matter of managing my anxiety moments. They say that these fleet, um, fleeting moments are last about 90 seconds. So if we can breathe through it, drop into the body, find the connection to breath only in this moment. It's very subtle, this breath, this light that's powering and ever present. Um, so we simply quiet the outside world, tune more deeply into the inside world. And then we help usher ourselves holding our own hand through this tumultuous moment, whether it's the 90 seconds, 90 years, um, we just discover ways to embrace it, validate it, humanize it, and really find intimate vocabulary um, to describe what we're experiencing in any given experience. Yeah, moment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, now, I'll ask you a very basic question. It may sound, you know, very basic, but I will ask it. Uh, okay. How do you see anxiety? How do you define it? Because for different people, uh, different things make them anxious, leads to anxiety for them. How mm -hmm. do you see from where you are sitting at? I think that, well, here I am using the think versus the feel. Anxiety is an emotion and emotions um, are a function of our thoughts that land in the body. So we're very much a visceral human fleshy being living in this world with energetic fluidity coming and going and coming and going into our environments, into our beings, in out into the world again. So anxiety is a moment in time where everything's colliding and feeling disturbance. And it's very much a thought that disturbs the inside body that is likely a function of the external environment. So when we can drop into energy of mountain and stability and security and constancy, the sun is always going to rise. The mountain is going to remain in its place. We recognize anxiety, whether it's from the external situational or the internal disturbance and mental chaos to be steady we focus on steady right so this is this is the way that we can relate with our anxiety and let it do its thing pass through us and remain ideally undisturbed because we recognize it for what it is and i always say that as soon as we can acknowledge it anxiety whatever the depression the bad conversation i had yesterday 12 years ago um, my bank account, my identity with what's happening in the world and the disturbance of greater forces beyond our own control. 
when I acknowledge this pressure, this discomfort, then I dissolve it. And so it is free to be, um, it no longer has a hold on me and owning me. Right. So anxiety, why is it that some people become anxious and some people don't about the same things? Is it related to how they have been brought up? Uh, is it because of their present environment? Or is it just their response system of their body? How do you see? Because you uh, teach, you have got so many classes happening, live classes, corporate meditation. Uh, how, what is your assessment of this particular thing? Because we also talk about, you know, that anxiety and then there is stress and stress creates mental blocks. And this is what the topic <laughs> is today, that to rid right. of those mental blocks and to get going and to prove your performance. And that's yes. what the key is of our talk. Beautiful um, start. Okay, so we're going to start with this foundation of the anxiety and it's gurgling up within us. So what do we do? Right. How do we manage it? How do I identify with it? I first start to articulate it to myself. And I think my interpretation of anxiety, my experience with anxiety will be very different from yours based on our nervous systems. So our nervous system are these energetic systems in our body that are always moving and firing and informing us of external danger or internal disruption and discomfort or instability. Um, maybe it's rooted from my family origins, or maybe it's rooted from if your thoughts that it came from ancestry, um, maybe it's situational and how my nervous system is responding and reacting. It is absolutely critical that we develop the prefrontal cortex portion of our brain to begin mastering Right? It evolves. Our brain evolves. It changes. It rewires. It is plastic. Um, we optimize the plasticity of the brain to evolve and move away from our flight, fight, fear, freeze uh, reaction of the brain that is absolutely critical to save us and perpetuate our um, human uh, race. And so it's a necessary component, but the mastery comes when we have this awareness and then we move into the logic, reasoning, um, execution centers of our brain that help us to live and get through. So you ask, why would I feel anxiety and one might not feel anxiety? I, again, it's just in my interpretation, it's the nervous system, how sensitive you are and your awareness of the sensitivity. Um, I think it's an interesting notion that the young people of today where we're noticing have higher than ever before seen levels of anxiety part of it is that they now have vocabulary for it they have 200 however 3000 emoticons to express their emotions versus the happy and sad and you know indifferent that most of us grew up with i think if you ask me that itself is stressful to choose among 200 of <laughs> emoticons absolutely without that i'm fine it's stress inducing, right, right, right. Absolutely. We weren't born with that and raised with it, so it's not in our nature. But the children of today have so many varied ways to express themselves. And whether it's on a social platform and, or in person or with an emoticon or some kind of GIF, um, the expression itself is freeing because we find disease to be dis-ease in the body. So it's trapped energy that hasn't been expressed out. And it's not oxygenated, right? When we have oxygen, there is not disease. So 
Disease is a function of not having oxygen. So when we breathe and children today are taught to breathe and be centered and their anxiety, find a calm moment, practice stress reduction, have a proactive approach to their uh, disturbance, if you will. So I think it's interesting. We're going to see a lot less disease going forward because early on these um, dis-ease sensations and experiences are being freed from the body instead of landing and culminating and um, manifesting in the form of dis-ease. So um, stress, anxiety coming at us. Yeah, and mental, mental, yeah. Um, mental blocks. You know, stress creates mental blocks that hamper you to perform your best. Beautiful. Okay, thank you for that point of um, uh, conversation. So think of your ears as like telephone poles and the wire between the telephone poles. We have all that static electricity. When we are in a state of stress, we cannot see clearly, think clearly. We're foggy, we're stumbling, we're edgy. Um, so finding that meditation is a chance to acknowledge the static between the poles and all the thoughts and notes and memories and conversations and regurgitated experiences coming to the surface. So the meditation is such a beautiful place. It's the gymnasium, if you will, for clearing the mind. It's when the mind is the most active because we're acknowledging it finally. And as mentioned well, before, well, we put, well put, Maris. I mean, sorry to yeah. interrupt you. That yes, meditation please. is the gymnasium of the mind. It means wonderful. <laughs> Well, the meditation is the gymnasium um, time for the mind. And then when we step off the cushion, then now we have the clarity where words come out of our mouths that we didn't expect as far as like, ah, that's a yes, that's a no, that's an answer to the question I've been churning and burning uh, with for the last three months. So that's when the clarity comes. But the meditation is the uncomfortable, gurgling mind, static, ah. Uh, um, but as far as stress interfering with performance, I love this consideration because this is really a big central part of the, the result of the work that we do. Right. Imagine you're in a hurry and you've lost your keys and, oh, no, oh, no, I'm going to be late. What will people think of me? Why can't I get it together? Like this whole story starts playing and then that's the static between the poles that's firing up and interfering. The keys were right there. If you were not in a hurry, you would remember that you'd put them there and they're always in the same place and there they are, da, da, da. But only when we're stressed do we lose the keys and can't find the keys. And then we lose our direction and then we're sweating and then the disease happens in the body and cortisol is released. So it's a whole circuitry of series of events that um, subsequently follow when we put ourselves really in this state of stress. Now, as parents, I'm not a parent, but I hear so many times from the parents like, uh, I'm, I'm interrupted all day long. I can't control my time all the time and it's not my life. It's you know, the others who I care for. So that also would apply when people are coming at us. How do I drop into my centeredness, my presence? The world is not burning. I can handle this situation for 30 seconds in this moment, in this time, look in my child's eyes, connect with them, bring their stress level down, right? So we hold so much simultaneously. And that's where the meditation comes in. We focus on the breath what we're tasting, what we're seeing, what we're hearing, what we're feeling, what we're smelling simultaneously. So we practice multiple things occurring at the same time so that when we get into life for real, we can be huh, masterful. It's a practice. Emphasis on capital P practice. 
right you uh, you have you know but before that let me ask you now is it because the present we try a lot of people instead of seeing a glass half full see that the glass is half empty is it the stress in our lives the anxiety that happens in our lives is because of that sort of an outlook in life that we tend to take how do you see this well it's a really great question and i've actually been kind of thinking about the half glass full half empty lately so i'm glad you brought it up something that's really important to me is how we frame things how we frame the situation and find meaning in what's happening um yes we need to take agency in our lives and and take action and take direction and respond to input and wisdom that's coming to us from the meditation cushion in those moments that guide us, light us, show us the way, send messages and signs showing up when we are aware and we're seeing them. Um, but framing it, because I actually think that I'm a person who sees the glass half empty and so grateful that there's still another half left, right? Versus, oh, you see it half empty, that means negative. As I see it, it's half empty, that means there's a whole other half there. So. Am I negative because I'm saying it half empty or am I positive because I'm so grateful for what does remain? So gratitude plays a very important role in framing it, finding meaning and a reason behind why things are happening, what they're happening and bringing our humanity to the surface to empower us to shift, grow, change, get stronger to handle and deal and dig deeply um, into how we can find solutions um, to our inner and external troubles. Okay. Okay, Maris. Now, talking about your corporate meditation. Now, this is yes. a lot of work that you do and you got the who's and who in terms of uh, the type <laughs> of companies that of the world. I would not name them here, but they are amongst the biggest in the world. I saw that list on your website and on your description. So, I'm amazed you are able to work with so many of them and at the same time, I'm also uh, trying to understand the amount of uh, awareness among companies uh, about how their employees or what their employees are passing through. And it's very heartening to see that they are trying to bring some people, a person like you to help them whose main core is uh, meditation. Now, that's very, that's a good thing. How do you go about, can you explain the corporate offering that you do in terms of meditation for, you know, corporate clients? Yes. Well, I had a lot of help in having access to being able to teach uh, meditation at some of those global names. Um, I define myself as a global corporate meditation leader. I aim to be the best in the space. I worked 20 years in software sales and technology, so I'm quite well aware of the stressors, the pressure, the demands. Um, and every single day of that career, I was afraid I was going to be fired. So my mission in this lifetime is to get meditation into every company so that this company, which is comprised of individual people, human beings, can feel honored and pur purposeful and that they are aligned with their right work. And now maybe um, software sales, I'll just use my own self as an example, um, isn't my divine life's purpose work. 
but I can find 80% intersection with what is important to me. I like working with intelligent people. I like finding um, vocabulary words to describe situations. I love being a liaison between what someone's saying and what I think the other person is hearing. Um, I love um, tasks and accomplishing things. I love hitting goals and challenging myself. So if you're in a job at your company and they're offering meditation and it might not be the perfect life purpose job for you, this is how we find ways to care for ourselves and the company is offering this for you to do because they care about you and then you'll care more about your work and ultimately about yourself and then you step out of those four walls of the work or wherever from wherever you're working these days and into your relationships and well-being in your life and sleep and care for yourself and exercise and movement and diet and all the massive wheel of um uh, spokes that contribute to keeping that wheel rolling smoothly forward and um, not wobbly. So yes, corporate meditation is so, so, so important because we really are addressing the individual, waking ourselves up in that space. So we have energy, productivity, and um, feel so much support and validation for who we are. Right, right, Mary. So how does a lot of corporates are listening uh, to this show right now? Live, I can see that. Uh, on different platforms that we are live on Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. And obviously, it will go on all the top directories in terms of audio podcasts. So uh, later on, also, people can watch this show and listen to this show. So how do they contact you? It means how do they benefit uh, out of you, uh, of your programs? If they, How do they contact you, basically? Sure. So you're welcome to email me, Maris at opulentmindfulness.com, M-E-R-I-S at opulentmindfulness.com, one L. And you can find the website, email me, WhatsApp me, one, uh, plus one, five, zero, three, seven, five, six, three, six, two, two. Um, but yeah, most of all, I'd like to give out a complimentary 20-minute consultation with whomever uh, is interested uh, with the meditation and bringing this empowerment to your people. Um, internally, and then we can see if it's the right fit. I have a virtual meditation studio. So uh, whether I'm in your city, can come in person and meet you. Love the face-to-face -face meetings for sure. And then over time, the live platform where your employees can log into any of our live sessions that week, whatever works for their schedule, and experience a new subject every week, um, 25 minutes in and out. And it's just such a beautiful, beautiful gathering. Um, you can participate or not participate as far as the dialogue goes, but um, we find great ways to do breath work, mantra, movement, and just simply drop into the stillness that's uncomfortable for sure, but I help guide you through it. And so you can get in touch with yourself and be more present and aware in this world. So you find great resources to help guide you forward and choose this path in life um, the best that we can. Right, right, Meris. In fact, I'll also try and put as much information on the YouTube description so that people can, you know, benefit out and each could reach you directly. Now, uh, coming back. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Uh, coming back to the Om Seva and, and you know, 1% for, for the planet. You know, you seem to be deeply inspired by Hindu philosophy, Vedanta philosophy. <laughs> you use Om a lot. So tell us about the background to this. Uh, what does, uh, how did you come across that? I mean, every email that you sent, newsletter that you sent, uh, you use OM in all your salutations and everything. So just tell us about that. How do you view OM? How do you view Seva, that selfless service? 
And obviously, 1% for the planet, what does that mean? Yes, yes, yes. There's so much we can touch on in this short lifetime and, and take action. So OM, OM is <clears throat> opulent mindfulness. But first, I wanted OM because this is the sound of the universe, the A-U-M. OM, it's every yes. possible sound in the universe. And funny little side story, but... Um, I love shoes. I like clothes. I like, you know, fashion sometimes not to identify with or define me, but I just love design and, and line and, you know, contrast and color and quality and stitching and all this. So anyway, um, I was going to buy a pair of shoes one time and I was saying to my mom, well, I need this pair of shoes to be able to go to the prom and to go to the beach and to wear on a Saturday and go running in on the week. Like I needed this pair of shoes to be the everything pair of shoes. And so, um, why I tell you that is because I love something that is everything. It's so simple and it's one thing and it's everything and nothing and all in one and integrated and collective consciousness and so accessible, um, digestible. It doesn't cost money. It doesn't consume or it doesn't take calories or right? you're not getting calories. So this OM, the meditation, I feel like it's absolutely the foundation for all. Um, I love exercise. I love eating, you know, people traveling, all this, but the serenity lives within and everything I need is within. And so you bring up Vedanta and it's so such, such, such a beautiful practice. Swami Sarapriyananda um, was our guru in New York city at the Vedanta society of New York. And wow, that was so awakening for me. Um, Non-dualism. Great. I've grown up Catholic, raised Catholic. Um, my uncle's a priest. I very much am involved with going to the Catholic Church here in Italy because it's such a spiritual center and it's you know a very spiritual land. Um, but I definitely draw from many contributions to this exploration, as the Swami would say to me. I'm a seeker and I'm blessed to be a seeker. So I'm curious and learning and interested. And there are many paths up the mountain and at the tip of the mountain. Ah, the view is 360 for all, no matter how you arrived. And so it's just this quest forever and eternal. It's never growing boring and old or over. It's never over. Right. I understand. I understand what you <laughs> Yes, uh, I get you. What you, you do. Actually, yeah. And and about Seva, selfless service. Seva. You have incorporated this that into your corporate dealings, you know. In some ways, yes, for sure. Um, Seva, so it's the selfless service. Um, every day I try to do something service, whether it's pick up rubbish on the side of the road or help someone or just listen to them. There's a gentleman here in my village who just loves speaking English. So it's such a treat for him just to speak English. And so we stood there. He bought me my coffee this morning. Um, and the other is a more formal practice of Seva, whereby we give um, and have a link on our website to the C School in West Bengal. My dear friend Indrani, I-N-D-R-A-N-I, look her up, .com, Indrani.com, phenomenal photographer, film producer. She and her father started the C School, where children can go um, if they need a place for mental well-being, to play with others and have connection in their society, in their circles. Um, so that is the C School, capital S-E-E, school.org. And yeah, so that's on the website. And then 1% for the planet is kind of a newish uh, involvement. That's whereby um, companies can donate 1% of their annual revenues to this body of work, the 1% for the planet. And now 1% goes out and gives that money to um, other nonprofits who are doing well for the world. So oneblueocean.org is an incredible one to give to. 
Um, I recently spoke at their global summit in Los Angeles in March. That was such a special event, meeting creators of ponchos that are, you know, organic and dissolvable material. Well, not in the rain, though. And then um, various different individuals, such an incredible event. So, yeah, always expanding. And then this month, there's a food um, concern day. So it's if we have food deserts, if we have quality soil, uh, I'm going to do a special meditation li uh, LinkedIn event um, for this consideration in June. Right, medicine. Right. You have talked about you know meditation about corporate meditation and all. So my last question to you is like, can everyone learn to meditate? Is has it is it easy? Uh, how is it in India? Meditation is a very common word, but in outside world, how do you see that people are very much receptive to it? They can learn it very fast. How do they do it? Yeah. So I'd like to just differentiate for myself and for your audience in my interpretation of it, that difference between meditation and mindfulness. Mindfulness definitely comes from more Buddhist origins and roots. I had my start in yoga. So definitely more, as you said, the Indian Hindu side, um, 23 years a yoga teacher. And so meditation for me came from this side. Uh, Shavasana, laying peacefully at the end of the very physical act practice um, to integrate what you have been processing in that practice. So the stillness, the preparation of the body to finally sit after years of practicing yoga, right? And then your body is prepared and flexible to sit uh, comfortably. Um, luckily, maybe someone was meditating and they discovered and invented a chair so we can sit in chairs and we don't have to have years and decades of practicing yoga to become flexible enough to sit and meditate. But um, it's very accessible. And in the early stages of your practice, I would definitely recommend having a guide to meet you in a cadence where we know the mind is active, the thoughts are coming, we get lost in that, and then they bring you back. Okay, here we are, we're breathing, we're in the body, we're present, we're resting the eyes. I have this trifecta uh, that I just kind of came to realize I say all the time, EBB, e -B -B. so we root on the three pillars of resting the eyes, noticing the very subtle breath and then relaxing the body. So EBB, ebb and flow. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, start by just sitting for three minutes, noticing your thoughts, feeling your body, consider what you've got ahead that day, what's bothering you, anything just to get in touch with uh, yourself. The self is an endless discovery and is not selfish by any stretch because when we're paralyzed in our own busyness and the static between the ears, we cannot help others. We cannot see where help is needed. We feel pressure and guilt to help instead of inspired and moved to help. And all of my work aims to guide people to move into expansion, life-affirming existence versus contractive, fear-based um, death, <laughs> really, while we're living. So, yeah. Right, Meris. Right. Uh, it's 31 minutes, 19, 20 seconds. And I think you've got to go also. And we have covered a lot of, uh, you know, ground on this in this discussion. Hope to yeah. have you again very soon. Yeah, there is so much to talk to you. And you're a good thank listener. You. So thank, thank you. you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. So there is so much, you know, uh, to talk on and about and understand from you, especially from, you know, from a place like Italy. How do you see all these things? How this whole world is changing and how yoga meditation and everything else is impacting positively how people are taking it we just wanted to have that insight for especially for my indian audience so i'll get back to you very soon on this and 
it's a pleasure to talk to you thank you so much for you for your time on this particular edition of the kjms masterclass with this thank you, AJ. my pleasure in every way thank you very much thank you take care have a great day ciao for now <laughs> namaste namaste